Today's sermon is called Living in His Peace. Now, as I spoke with many people who have been in difficult situations as of late, uh, I've, had, I've seen a lot of that going on right now in, in, in my friends and, and uh, family. There's just been a lot of difficulty as of late, particularly in my realm that I've been talking with and friends that I have. And as I pray about these situations, I pray not only for God to help them, but for God to give them His peace. I like how the Apostle Paul ended this second uh, letter in the Bible that he wrote to the church in Thessalonica. He said this, and uh, uh, he said in 2 Thessalonians 3.16, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times and in every situation. If I were to sum the, the sermon up, that would be one of the key verses that just says, hey, God of peace all the time in every situation. He's going to help us. My prayer for you echoes that thought for this church. I want peace to permeate this place. I want peace to be discovered and to be, um, to be dis- distributed to people all around this area through this church. We all face uncertainty. It is just a given fact that life is going to give us uncertainty. Every day we face new challenges. Worry can creep into our lives. We need the peace of God to permeate our hearts and lives, to permeate, to get in there and settle in. Now, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. We've all heard that, shalom. Uh, This term refers to far more than the absence of war, conflict, or stress. It's not just, you know, it is that, but it's far more than that. Shalom's basic meaning is the positive presence of harmony such as unity, cooperation, good relations, wholeness, good purpose, well-being, and contentment in all areas of life. There's a story about a man who was in World War I from Kentucky. And he 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 was fighting overseas, and he kept getting nagging letters from his wife back home. And he was too busy fighting to write letters even to his to his wife. So at last, angered by his wife's scolding letters, he sat down and wrote her, and this is what he wrote. Dear Nancy, I've been a-getting your nagging letters all along. Now, I want to tell you, I'm tired of them. For the first time in my life, I'm a-fighting in a big war, and I want to enjoy it in peace as long as it lasts. (laughs) That's a rough home life. There's another story about a man who was sitting on a train between two ladies. And unfortunately for him, the two ladies were arguing about whether to keep the window closed or to open it. The lady furthest from the window argued that she would die of heat stroke if that window wasn't left open. The other lady said she'd certainly catch pneumonia if it didn't stay closed. So when the ticket taker came by the train in that booth and the the ladies begged him to come up with a solution, they told him their dilemma... And uh, unfortunately, he he just didn't know what to tell them. So finally, the man sitting between those two ladies spoke up, and he said, first, open the window, that'll kill that one, shut the window, that'll kill that one, and I'll have peace. (laughs) Well, how's your peace? Are you living a life of peace? If not, how can you find peace in your life? You know, there's situational peace. There's a peace where 
you know, you're sitting, on the, you're sitting on a beach at the ocean with the white sand there and the sun coming down and I'm under an umbrella hiding. And, uh, you know, you're just out there. The waves are crashing into the shore. It's beautiful. There's seagulls chirping along in the, in the, in the air and flying around and you hear that in the distance. That's situational peace. You're in a spa getting a massage or, you know, soaking your feet in something, you know, whatever. Somebody's rubbing on your toenails, makes you happy. You know, everybody's got their thing that they think's peaceful. I don't want anybody touching my feet like that. So, you know, you, you see those, 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 sit, those situational times where, you know, like guys who, who, who go and they, they get out and they wade about waist deep in the river and they're just throwing their, their fly line out there and reeling it back in and then throwing it again. I, I did that. It was peaceful. It's fun. You know, there's those situations where we think, we're in peace. But you know, in the midst of those situational times where peace is around us, we're not always at peace. Our heart can be very much, in tru- and it can be very much troubled in those moments. I asked a friend of mine who was a massage therapist for a while, I said, uh, you know, I was sharing this with her, and, and I said in a, in a meeting, hey, you know, like you, I'm sure that there's been a lot of clients you had come in that even though they were excited to get in there for peace, they weren't peaceful the whole time. They were just talking and they were stressed and you were just trying to help them. And she said, absolutely. She said, absolutely. Well, you know, situational peace is like this. Jenny and Brianna and I were walking on the beach. The other kids were kind of playing off on the side there. And we're walking along on the beach and Jenny's holding Brianna's hands. And she was just two or three years old. She'd been in Oregon a couple, three years, you know. And, uh, you know, so we really enjoyed uh, and would still enjoy going to the, the ocean. And so we're just walking along, and we weren't really, you know, we kind of heard of sneaker ways, but didn't really know what that meant. And Jenny's walking along with Brianna, and they're wading along the coast there, and all of a sudden, a wave comes up and <laughs> grabs Brianna's hand, the three-year-old, and sucks her under the water. And unfortunately, Jenny had her hand, or she would have rolled off. So Jenny had her hand and pulled her back up. We took her to the car. We, we, let, we, you know, we stripped her down, put a coat around her. And, and uh, you know, took off. Peace can be like that. Our situations can be like that. All of a sudden, you're in a tranquil moment and something happens. Life happens. You know, then there's something I want to call this morning transcendent peace. Peace is not an experience or an emotion. It's not an external experience. Peace is an internal transformation in relationship with God that is built upon trusting in Him and obeying Him. John 15, 7 says this, and you can look at the screen. Stay joined with me and let my teachings become part of you. Then you can pray for whatever you want and your prayer will be answered. God's peace is the opposite of human anxiety. It comes when we call on God, when we call on God in our hearts, Become fully devoted to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I just pray this morning that you will help us all to develop a strong relationship with you. That when life comes at us, when challenges roll in, Lord, that we would know that that's all temporary and that's going to pass but you are eternal and that you're going to guide us if we seek you. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you give me exactly the words to say 
as I speak that would help everyone in this room. And Lord, I pray everyone here that you'd help us walk away with something unique for us that we're supposed to put in our heart today. Amen. So number one, true peace comes through relationship with God. True peace is an inner sense of calm and assurance delivered from Christ by the Holy Spirit within us. That calm and assurance that comes through a relationship in Jesus Christ that he, that he uh, delivers from the Holy Spirit to us. Romans 8.15 says this, So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit. When you hoped, when, when, when he adopted you as his own children. So here, we're not fearful slaves. Instead, we received God's spirit when he adopted us as, as his own children. And then it says, now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. He gave us the Holy Spirit to come in and affirm with our spirit that we're his children. Now, I can tell you, I know not all, we just talked about honoring parents and not all dads are good, but I can tell you, I want to be a good dad. And I love my kids. And I love the idea of God wanting to be a good dad. Because he does. And not only does he want to, he just is. He can't help it. Because he's God. What a cool thing to be his child and to know that he cares about us like I care about my children and like you care about your children and your family. You know, the great thing about peace is it involves a firm confidence that Jesus is near and that God's love will be active in our lives for good. It's not based on emotions or circumstances. And just trusting and obeying him gives peace. I want to read you a couple of scriptures. Psalm 119, verses 164 and 165. Let's look at that together. It says, I praise you seven times a day because all your regulations are just. Those who love your instructions have great peace and do not stumble. So here, if we love his instructions, if we love to learn what God has for us, we're going to have great peace. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust you. All those whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. Keep peace Keep your mind fixed on, on him and trust him. The more we cultivate our relationship with God, the more certain we are of his love for us, and we can move into a peace, we can move into a place of peace from him that exceeds anything that we can even understand. Trust is tied to peace. Peace comes into our lives when putting trust in God is acted upon. Trust is a choice. You choose who you're going to trust. Trust is more than acknowledgement. It's action. Romans 15, 13 says this, I pray that the God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. The closer in relationship I get to God, the more I trust him. That's true with relationships. I want to unpack a really cool story in the Bible. It's one of my favorite stories, and I, I'm sure you're all familiar with it. 
But I want to pack that together, and it's in Matthew 14, and it says this. Right away, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and start back across the lake. So Jesus said, I'm going to go off and pray here. You guys get in the boat and go across the lake. But he stayed until he had sent the crowds away, and then he went up to the mountains where he could be alone and pray, and later that evening he was still there. By this time, the boat was a long way from the shore. It was going against the wind, and it was being tossed around by the waves. A little before the morning, Jesus came walking on the water towards his disciples. When, he, when they saw him, they thought he was a ghost, and they were terrified, and they started screaming. At once, Jesus said, don't worry, I am Jesus. Don't be afraid. Peter replied, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you on the water. From fear to trust. Lord, if it's you, I will walk out there. Now, I don't know about you. I'm not naturally inclined in those situations to want to jump out of boats. I'm just, you know, I, it's just not my first reaction. I'm with the other disciples who are sitting back there going, oh man, this is a mess. But Peter, he had trust in the Lord. He had trust in Jesus. He had relationship with him. And in that moment, that relationship gave him boldness. It gave him something incredible. Trust is very important in every relationship. We've seen those videos and we've We've, and some of you as kids did that game where you put your arms like this and you fall backwards. You know, and we've seen the, I don't know if you've seen the YouTube one where the poor little girl, she says, okay, this is how the game goes. And so the girl puts her arms out and the girl walks in front of her for a second, walks behind her, then stay, oh, I put her behind her, and the girl falls forward. Boom. And the other girl's just standing there going, you know. God's not going to let us fall flat. Now, I'm not saying he's not going to let us go through troubles, because he's going to. Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. But he's not going to let us sink. Look at Psalms 9.10. It says, for those who know your name, trust in you. Talking about God. For you, Lord, have forsaken, never forsaken, those who seek you. People trust you, and you never have turned your back on them. The more I trust him, the more peace I'll have in my heart and life. You know, we listen closely to people we trust. Their words and the things that they tell us to do or things we need to think about are meaningful. Jenny and I trust each other. We've got 20 years of living in the same place, a lot of history, a lot of relationships. I'm not a liar. She's not a liar. We just kind of work it all out. And we got trust. It's a pretty cool thing. So when I'm in the car and she does this, that normally is a signal to me I probably better check the brake. That used to frustrate the living daylights out of me, and it still does, to be honest. <laughs> Matter of fact, I was backing up in a parking lot, I think it was yesterday, and she's going, ho, 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 hey. So I'm hitting the brakes and I'm looking around, what are you talking about? And I still don't know what she was talking about. She just didn't like the way I was going backwards. But I've learned to trust that instinct from her, that she's trying to help me. 
When she's doing this with her foot, I better be doing this with my foot. <laughs> it's a good indicator that something bad might be coming. She's been in the car with me where I rear-ended years ago. We rear-ended enough people that, that, you know, I knew that meant something now. You learn trust. We trust people. There are people in your life that you trust. And when you're around them, you feel what? Comfortable. Right? The more you're around God, the more comfortable you are. The, more, the less worried you are. Number two. In the midst of trouble and concerns, call out to God. Pray about everything and let God guard your heart. In the midst of trouble, call out to God. Focusing on your circumstances can distract us from trusting God. Let's look at the, rest, the next part of this story. So here, Peter, remember before, Peter was out there and, and he said, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. And, and, um, and, and Jesus said, come. So... Then it says in verse 30, but when Peter saw how strong the wind was, he stepped out of the boat, he's out there on the water, he sees how strong the wind was, he was afraid and he started sinking. Lord, save me, he shouted. When we commit our troubles and concerns to God in prayer, his peace will stand guard at the door of our hearts and minds. It'll prevent the cares, worries, and heartaches of life from troubling our lives and robbing us of our hope in Christ. We can let circumstances get in the way of relationship. The blame game is powerful in ruining relationship. Jenny said to me in that same conversation, I said, honey, why? I still don't know what you're doing. Why, why, or it's the problem there. I don't know what the problem is. And she kind of shared her thoughts. And I said, well, it just frustrated me. And she said, well, look. She said, you know, I, we've got history that, that uh, I've helped you out not have accidents before. And I said, okay, never mind. But I could have rose up in that moment and said, yeah, but you were wrong, and blah, blah, blah. And that, uh, There's no good to come from that. Well, the moment you give in to temptation to let something get in there and start to take root, that trust becomes eroded. That peace begins to go away. Live in peace. We need to pray about everything. We need to call out to God. In the midst of trouble, call out to him like Peter did. Save me, Lord. There's times we need to be saved. We need to be saved from our circumstances, from ourselves, from bad friendships, whatever it is. We need to pray and ask God to help us. Philippians 4, 6. I love this. It says, don't worry about, what's it say? Anything. anything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about what? Everything. Pray about everything, really? Everything? It says Everything. If I'm making a decision, I probably should pray. Should have God help me. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. You know, there's something powerful about thanks. You know, I love, I probably shouldn't, but when people say thank you to me, and not just because, the, you know, I opened, held the door open, although that's nice too, and you probably should do that if you don't. But 
You know, when you really do something and someone comes out of their way and says, you know, I want you to know that meant something. Thank you so much. Doesn't that really just warm you and make you feel better? Well, how much, you know, God's emotional. He loves it when we thank him. He loves when we pray with faith and thank him for what he's about to do. So, it goes on and says, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. When we're going through the loss of a child or a spouse, when you're going through a loss of a parent or a brother or sister, when you're going through uh, a, a big major life change or losing your home or whatever, it's interesting to me, and it is willing, worthwhile taking note, that I've seen this peace that passes understanding in people's hearts and minds. You can look at their eyes and see they're not worried. Because circumstances don't dictate their future. Their faith in God and trust in Him dictates where it's going to happen. It says then, His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now I love this next place frame on here. A lot of times we stop there. But I want to keep going with this little section of Scripture here. And in verse 8 he starts on, he says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts... And what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. This facilitates peace. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me, everything you've heard from me and saw me doing, then the peace of God will be with you. Prayer and moving our thoughts to things that are true, honorable, right, pure, lovely. Change our perspective and move our hearts to focus back to the right place. And that's Christ. Hebrews 10.32 says, Think about those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten. Sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown in jail. And when, you, and when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. Wow. Even though you remain faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering. And he went in to tell some of those things. Ridicule, being beaten, your things being taken away. Uh, you were helping others who were suffering. You suffered. You were thrown in jail. Everything, I mean, but it says then they accepted it with joy. Can we get to the place in life that we can accept heartache with joy? That seems like that shouldn't equal. Heartache equal joy. I don't know what equation that would be. Because it doesn't make any sense. It is counter what we think. But when we rely more on God, the more peace that we have, the more peace that we have, the more joy He puts in us, the more joy He puts in us, the more we can share that peace with others. Number three, final point. If fear and discouragement try to disrupt your peace, call out to Jesus because He's reaching for you. Matthew 14, through 33 says, Right away, Jesus reached out his hand. 
he helped Peter up and said, you surely don't have much faith. <laughs> Why do you doubt? <laughs> I laugh because it is kind of funny. I mean, I, I know it's after the fact, but what... Because to me, I thought, man, he's got faith right now. He stepped out into the... He, ste- he said, Lord, if it's you, everybody else is just sitting in the boat. But yet here's Jesus saying, you surely don't have much faith. Why do you doubt? When Jesus and Peter got into the boat, the wind died down. The men in the boat worshipped Jesus, saying, you really are the Son of God. If you're going through difficulty. Maybe you stepped out in faith in something the Lord told you to do. Very clearly, you felt like God was saying, I want you to do this. And you stepped out and started doing it, and it's not going well in your mind. What do you do? Do you keep trying to fix it? If you reach out to him, he's not going to let you drown. Pray. Seek him. He's not going to let you sink. He's going to grab you and pull you out like Jenny did with that sneaker wave. And guys, if you don't see that song they wrote tied to this today, you're missing something. Because man, that was powerful. How, how, I mean, I didn't know that song. And God, this is a message for today. And I have no doubt in my mind. There's people here that you're needing this. Even when you know that we are, even you know that we're going where God wants us to go, the wind and the waves and the difficulties can arise. Our situation can cause fear and anxiety to return. Even when you step out in faith and you go, okay, there I did it. And that felt like a big win. You ever done, how many felt like that? You've, you've done something that God spoke to you to do and you felt like it was a big win. You've been there? I've been there. And, and so you think, oh, there it is. I did it. Where's my sticker? <laughs> I want one of the smiley face ones. Because I did it. I want joy. But you know, then all of a sudden, fear and anxiety start to, re- uh, to start coming back again because things aren't going well. We need to go to God in prayer with a thankful heart, and once again, he'll send his peace to guard our hearts. Under God's protective custody, we will again feel safe and be able to rejoice in the Lord. I saw that in a commentary, and I love that term. I love that. We're in his protective custody. There's a place where the Lord will say, why did you doubt? I was with you all along. Romans 8, 25, and then verse 28 says says this. But we look forward to something we don't yet have. We must wait patiently and confidently. So we're looking forward to something we don't have yet, but we've got to wait patiently and confidently. And then he says in verse 28, and we know that God causes everything. There's that word everything again that we're praying about. God causes everything to work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes for them. When we step out towards God's plan and put ourselves out there, we can feel disappointed and discouraged or fearful or second-guess ourselves in God. It's not easy to step out in faith, and sometimes this desire to be be rewarded after that first step is there. But God's refining us in the winds and the waves. We're in that path. We've stepped up where he told us to go, but he's refining us. He helps us discover that it's not our obedience and efforts that will bring impact, but us through his direction and power will bring impact. So it's not about what we're going to do or out the things, how we're obeying him. 
and how, you know, we're, our obedience and efforts are going to make the difference. Our, without his direction and power behind them, they aren't going to have the impact. He uses our story to build up others. And I want to share a story of this, about this. When I moved here nearly 10 years ago, we lived in a nice home, new construction, large home. It was on a little lake, and we were happy as all get out. And then things, we were only there a couple years, and things started turning, and we knew it was, God was not leaving us there. We had to start looking, which was disappointing because it was in Indianapolis, which is my favorite city in the world. I know that's ridiculous to you. I don't care. I love it. You can't, it just is what it is. Take it or leave it, but I'm taking it. So, so we begin praying about this process, and also in this time I'm feeling God changing me in my direction and trying to figure out what all that means. And So Stan calls, and through a long series of, of things, I really feel clearly that God has called us to come here, and Jenny, Jenny does as well. And Jenny knew it well before I did, because God told her, and he was holding out on me, I guess. <laughs> I think I wasn't listening as good. <laughs> That's simply the case with Jenny. She seems to hear things better than me. But, you know, we just felt like God was supposed to come. So I, 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 I left and came over here and started working. She was, she was great with child, like in the last few weeks of pregnancy. Stan was kind. You guys flew me back a couple different times to be with her and the kids in that process. And I was back for the baby to be born. And I remember loading him up in the car, in the, in the, in the, in the van, and the animals and all the stuff, and getting ready to drive across country. And, and I thought, this is going to be an easy move. Because God's going to reward me leaving everyone and everything I know to move to Oregon. Because I literally, I knew one person that was in a church in Chicago that lived here. And then I knew Stan from, from, and some of the staff just from meeting them. But, you know, I didn't have connections out here. And I thought, well, surely God's going to make this go easy and reward me for stepping out in faith and doing this because he told me to do it. So I got out here and, and we moved into... There were some really kind people in the church who had a house that was, that was on a large piece of property, and it was a large house. And they had a basement that they used for their laundry, and they used for their second fridge, and they had lots of interaction with it, but they thought, hey, we're going to let these guys move in. You know, so they can live together as a family, and, and you know, because our house wasn't, hadn't sold. So we were a house on the market. We have to still make the payments, still pay for the utilities. You know, it was a fixed water, the electric's going, all that stuff. And, you know, so we get there, and we think, okay, this is all going to come together. We get into that house, and it was, a, it was, you know, we're all sleeping in one bedroom, all six of us, us and the new baby, and they were nice to let us come with a brand new baby and live in their house. And the other side's our living room. We got a little, little sink like this and a little microwave to cook in. And it was just weird times, you know, and I kept thinking, God, okay, let's have this house sell already. This is the part of the plan. You know, I put it on the market, and then you have the buyer come. That's how this works. About three, three or four months went along, and it hadn't sold. And I was getting tired. I, and I needed, we needed personal space. They needed personal space. So then I was preaching on a Sunday morning, and someone came and said, God told me to rent you a house for six months. I said, great. So in my mind, I said, you know, well, first I was surprised, and I thanked them. But then I said to myself, wow, well, maybe God's going to sell my house and give me a little bit of money to put towards a down payment so I can buy something here because it's quite a bit more expensive here. And we were in that house for six months, didn't sell. Grant was doing the seventh month, and late at night had a knock on the door, and, and this wonderful couple had sent a check to pay one more time. And I said, I, we're, we're not going to stay here any longer. I don't know what we're going to do, 
but we're going to figure something out. And I remember going to Stan and saying, Stan, I don't know what to do. I said, either we can move into that white bus out there on the property, that doesn't work anymore, which in some ways may have been more private at least. Uh, and then, you know, or we can, you know, we can uh, go back to Indiana, and I don't feel like the Lord would have us do that. Why would we come all the way out here to turn around and go back? Or we can move into this house that the church, uh, that one of the pastors just moved out of that we're selling. And he said, yeah, you could do that, but Jeff, you have to be out of there in two weeks probably. And they may even tell you in two days you've got to get out of there. I can't guarantee anything on that. And I said, well, he said, let's pray and let's see. Through that, we found out that we could write in the contract that we could stay there a year. I didn't find it out. They found it out. Probably Pastor John found it out. And, um, and so they did that. And then our house did finally sell. Throughout that whole process, I questioned God about how much, you know, I wasn't feeling the love. But that process wasn't just about me. It's about me telling that story to you this morning. Because someone in this room right now needed to hear that story. And that's why God gives us these stories. They're not just about us. They're about the people we're going to minister to in the moment. So let your stories go with you. Don't be ashamed to share them. But make sure you interject God's faithfulness in the whole deal. So people know the truth of it. We don't get lucky. I don't get lucky. But I'll tell you what, I got God who does some pretty cool things for me. Let's remember that God loves you and he will reach out to you. Don't give up early on your story. Let's look at Romans 8.35. We have to know that God is reaching out to us and, we have, and he's waiting for us to reach back to him because he loves us. Let's look at that. It says, can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or we're persecuted or hungry or destitute? or in danger, or threatened with life and death. I mean, those are serious things. Does it mean he doesn't love us if those things are happening to us? 37 says no. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. The word victory stuck out to me, and that victory was in that song. And victory in the Greek says to overpower, to be abundant and victorious, to prevail mightily. Now isn't that something that that stuck out to me and it stuck out in that song? Jesus loves us. Romans 8.38 says, I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fears today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers that can separate, not even, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is a thorough scripture. I mean, you couldn't be more thorough than that in telling that there's absolutely no stinking way that you're getting separated from God's love. It's not possible. Jesus has a gift for you. It says in John 14, 27, I am leaving you with a gift. Here we go. I like this. Jesus leaving me with a gift. He says, peace of mind and heart. And this peace I give as a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. How about that? God's in your corner. Don't give up. 
Romans 8.31 says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God's for you, truly, who can truly be against you? Not any of those things listed earlier in that scripture. Not even the powers of hell can be against you and separate you from God's love. You know, isn't it true that the presence of another person in the frightful situations can lessen our fears? If you were to walk into a dark place by yourself, you could feel uneasy or afraid. You ever had? I mean, I still have that sometimes. I walk into somewhere, it's dark, I don't know where the light switch is, I just feel uneasy. I don't like, I like to see things from where I'm going. However, if you're in that same dark place holding someone else's hand, your fears diminish. Why is that? Because they may even be worse than you in stumbling around in the dark. But for some reason, having that person's hand makes you feel better. It gives you more confidence. Well, if we're confident and we're comforted by the presence of a mere human being who might be less strong and less brave than we are, how much more are we comforted by the presence of Jesus? Trust him. Obey him. He will lead you. I want to end my talk this morning before we go into prayer. Worship team, you can go ahead and come on back up with this. Philippians 1.3, Horizon, you are in my heart. And I love this scripture, and this is how I feel about you. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for, for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading, spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it till now. And I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. I want to tell you, this church is on the brink of some awesome things. God is about to do some things. Some things that I was kind of waiting for to see happen and kind of hoping for, they are coming to reality. This neighborhood outreach thing, our emphasis on prayer, these things, God's lined things up. And I am so excited. There is no other time in the history of this church that I would feel as confident leaving as I do right now because I'm excited about what God has for you and what God's going to lead you with Stan to do for this community, for this area, for this world. I am so excited because I know God has amazing plans for Horizon. And I'm going to think of you and thank God for you every time I pray for you. When I'm reminded of you, and I'm going to be reminded because there's a lot of my heart here. I'm going to pray for you because God has amazing things in store for you. So I encourage you, get behind your pastor. Roll up your sleeves and have impact here because God is bringing people in. And they need Jesus. And they need his love. They need this peace.